Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Washington, D.C. Acknowledge me. Chris Russell on the Team 980. I'm not trying to be a jerk. DMV. Youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, sitting in for the rooster, Chris Russell, here on this Friday edition of the Chris Russell Show. We'll take you up to 4 o'clock. Before handing things over to the DOC, Rick Doc Walker, we got some interesting Commanders-related news to start at the top of the show. I don't know how much Kevin and Denton hit on this on the way out. The NFL salary cap, Matthew, going up 13.8% Washington now expected to have north of $85 million in cap space heading into free agency. So buckle up. We'll get hot and heavy into that uh, as the show rolls on this afternoon as well. Coming up top of the 2 o'clock hour, get a little insight into what the Chicago Bears are thinking about their number one pick. Brad Briggs, or Brad Biggs, excuse me, who's covered the Chicago Bears for the Chicago Tribune for years, getting ready to join the program at the top of the 2 o'clock hour. We'll get his insight on which way Chicago was leaning. We've talked to a bevy of different insiders and personalities about what Chicago will ultimately do with that number one pick. And based on some of the tweets I've seen from my guy Brad Biggs, Chicago Bears seem to be pretty interested in taking the DMV's Caleb Williams with that number one overall pick. So we'll get into that hot and heavy uh, when Brad joins us at the top of the 2 o'clock hour. I want to start on the ice, though. Ironically, in honor of a boy, Chris Russell, I know he was up late last night watching Ovi and the Caps winning their third straight game last night in Tampa Woo! Bay against the Lightning by a score of 5-3. to three. Connor McMichael lit the lamp twice, including an empty netter. All of that, right, despite being outshot 32-24 to 24, uh, by Tampa Bay, the Caps, with the win, moved within five points of the Lightning for that final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. And I'll be honest with you, before this recent stretch of play, and they've won like four out of their last six, the month of January, bleh, just absolutely got awful for the boys, which is why it was so amazing that Ovi was playing uh, at the pace that he was playing at. So it's exciting. We'll see if they could, you know, continue this charge toward the postseason. But moving forward, the fellas might be a little bit shorthanded as they try and continue that postseason push. Pretty scary moment last night. Uh, if you got the chance to catch any of the game, TJ Oshie uh, left the game with a non-contact injury in the third period. And uh, I got to listen to a little bit of Coach Carb's post-game presser. Very somber despite the win. Uh, there, there was a, there was a, this is the quote that he gave, a pretty high level of concern 
uh, when it comes to Oshie's injury. So make sure you keep your fingers crossed with that. Man, I know you pay attention to the Caps probably more than the average Joe does. How sickening is it that this team finally starting to play a little bit better here over the last week or so, and then you get a devastating injury like this to TJ Oshie? I mean, it it really can't be stated because you're talking also, you were talking about how January wasn't good. You have to remember there was a good period of time in January where Ovechkin wasn't playing, that he was out for family stuff, that this team so far this season has, I think, played well, but has had a situation where they just have not been able to be all together at full strength. And right now we're seeing what a full strength Capitals looks like and it's real good. I mean, they are on a hot streak. Ovechkin, of course, with I mean, he didn't score last night, but he, he was prior to that one, I think he for assisted six. on the empty netter for, for yeah. Michael at the end. So, yeah, I think kind of echoing what you said, the fact that they were finally starting to get healthy and play as one, and it sucks having TJ Osi out of the lineup right now. It's been something for him that's kind of crushed him over the past couple of seasons. He's had to deal with these lingering injuries, but – Last night, because it's a non-contact injury, you kind of, you know, fear for the worst here in this situation. But as we mentioned, the Caps, you know, after this stretch of play last week, got themselves right back in the thick of the playoff racing the Eastern Conference. Caps will wrap up their two-game Florida road trip tomorrow night uh, when they take on the Florida Panthers. And it's interesting, right, when you think about where that team is right now and how things are going to be for them moving forward. You got to hope that they are able to stay healthy. If they are, you know, we may be getting to watch some playoff hockey uh, here in our nation's capital. You can hear that game tomorrow night over on the fan. Pre-game coverage gets going uh, at 545. Wizards return to the hardwood last night as well. Absolutely boat raced by the Denver Nuggets. And Matt, they were down by as many as 28 points uh, last night to the Nuggets. They trailed by 23 at the half and quite frankly, Looked like a team that was ready for the season to be over. And I honestly, when you look at it from a bird's eye view, and if you're not a fan of the team, and if you don't give a damn about the Washington Wizards, you probably see the record and think that this year has just been absolutely horrendous. No, there have been plenty of bright spots. We had Denny Avdi on the program yesterday. He's been a pleasant surprise for the team. Bilal Koulibaly's done his thing this year. Corey Kispert continuing to find his stroke from beyond the arc. But I love the Wizards as much as the next man does. Last night was absolutely embarrassing. To come out that flat post-All-Star break is an absolute damn joke. They look like a team who is ready for the season to be over. I don't care who you're playing. It's the inconsistent effort for me that really makes things piss poor. They have a lot of bad habits on the floor, and new interim coach Brian Keefe is trying his damnness to help break those habits, but last night is something that I would describe as classless. And I don't ever like to talk about a professional team in that manner, especially one that I cover on a routine basis. But it was one of those classless, gutless performances last night. And the big story leading into all of it was my boy Jordan Poole. He was replaced in the starting lineup by rookie Bilal Koulibaly. And here's what interim coach Brian Keefe had to say uh, about the decision pregaming. I was stunned by it, right? He goes, quote, helping the group improve as a whole. Uh, he says Poole is at his best when he has the ball in his hands and he's a decision maker. And Keith says, quote, it's actually a credit to Jordan moving him to the bench. He's had one of the highest net ratings since I've taken over, and I want to see more of that. Okay. Okay. We'll see what happens here in the final 27 games of the season 
But Jordan Poole last night, his first game off of the bench for the Washington Wizards, they replaced him in the lineup, as I mentioned, with rookie Bilal Koulibaly. Jordan Poole finished with 18 points on 4 of 18 shooting with a net rating of minus 9. And if you watched, if you got the chance to tap in last night, it honestly was just that bad. And this is tough for me, right? Because you all know I've been very open and honest about, you know, I've tried to take the time to get to understand and know Jordan a little bit, right, in the locker room. Super hard worker. And every time I talk to him, Jordan seems pretty damn aware as to how things are going. And to his credit, I might add, right, to his credit, up until last night, he has handled himself with the utmost class. Nobody wants to turn things around more than Jordan Poole. And I think that's something that gets lost in all of this in the midst of his piss-poor play. Jordan wants to be great. Jordan has championship pedigree. Jordan is now in an environment that I think, on first blush, he's just not mature enough to handle at this point in his career. And it pains me to say that because, like I said, anything I would say right here on the radio, I've said to Jordan. I've had intimate conversations about his transition here to D.C. But, I mean, that's the case for every sport. I mean, I always say that one of the top players that could have had a lot more potential in the NFL, but he was put in a situation when he was still too young that he wasn't able to bounce back from, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold Darnold. could have been fantastic if he was not with the New York Jets and did not realize what he was getting himself into. Yeah, I think you you make a damn good point there. The, The difference, I would say, with the Sam Darnold situation is like, I feel like it was just a lack of experience. I mean, experience it's also for it's Sam a different Darnold sport. Well. Different like, sport. I get you're what you're saying, though. To do stuff versus you're able to learn and right. able to understand that also just the amount of games because right. it's a much different season in the NBA going for in sure. and out and learning every single game versus you only have a max now of 17 games to learn from. Exactly, and I think you lay it out perfectly. The one thing I always try to harp on, and I give Jordan the benefit of the doubt because he's become. Let's be real, right? The biggest punching bag in the NBA to this point. You can't go on social media, Twitter, Instagram without seeing some type of meme mocking him. Last night, I found out that he was moved to the bench based on this big, fat graphic that Bleacher Report put out saying that he was benched. I get it, though, right? Nobody, like I said, though, wants to turn things around more than Jordan does. I think he's become one of the villains in the NBA. When you go into opposing locker rooms, as I've gotten the opportunity to do, they talk about Jordan in a negative light. And I straight up told Jordan, like, what is, how does that make you feel? And he understands it. He feels like he's a villain. And sometimes when guys say that they are a villain, they embrace that role and they carry themselves a certain way. And now I've gotten to the point where before last night, I, I was beating the drum of, <laughs> you're funny for that. I'm beating the drum of like, I feel like Jordan is misunderstood a little bit, right? And everything, like I said, that that I'll say here, I've said to Jordan personally. To me, the last month or so, even before the All-Star break, you know, you were kind of starting to see him begin to turn the corner a little bit. And I think new interim coach Brian Keefe has a lot to do with that. He's got to be more cognizant of the optics around him, right? He doesn't, to me, quite understand that he's under the microscope. You are in Chocolate City. This is Washington, D.C., a basketball town through and through, despite what people bark about with the Washington Commanders. This is a basketball town from the high school level to the college level to the pro level. Being here in this situation, out of the wings of Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson, out of the wings 
of a guy like Kevon Looney, who was a vet that was just super instrumental to him in Golden State, it's been different for him. It's been quite the adjustment. And I think when you look at Jordan as a person, it's a kid that grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Then went to school at the University of Michigan, which is another big step up for him in terms of being under the microscope in that big-time market and big-time situation. Then he gets drafted to the Golden State Warriors. He was one of the, I'll be honest with you, it's not speaking in hyperbole when I say it, he was probably the worst rookie in the NBA his first year. That year when Stephen Curry and Clay were both dealing with injuries, Jordan Poole was god-awful in Golden State. But everyone you talk to within that organization, reporters that cover the team, the jump that he was able to make from year one to year two, getting in the lab, developing uh, those habits and that work ethic to help him ascend into what he was during that championship run, it all made sense as to why you know things went the way that they did for Jordan Poole uh, when he was in Golden State. But since he's gotten here, I feel like as more time has passed, things have gotten crazier. And again, up until last night, I had no complaints as to how Jordan Poole was handling himself. But Jordan, what what the hell was that, man? Last night was it was ugly. The body language screamed how disengaged he was. The effort at times simply just wasn't there. It's Bush League. And he felt like he disrespected the game of basketball. Not just Jordan, though. I don't want to make this just about Jordan Poole. The entire Wizards team, d- down to the damn coaches, disrespected the game of basketball last night. There's no way in hell you come out of the All-Star break and you're getting boat-raised by 28 points in the first half. I don't give a damn who you're playing. You're going to be playing the Monstars. There is no – these are professional basketball players. There is no team in the NBA. And I said this about the Commanders when they would get blown out. There's no team – in pro sports, that is 28 damn points better than you. At some point, you have to have some pride about yourself and understand that, look, we're here and have a job to do. I understand, you know, everyone in the national media and the local media openly talks about how you're supposed to be tanking. That's tough. That's tough to try and separate yourself from the noise and understand that you still have a job to do. But Jordan Poole and the Wizards last night, just Bush League is the best way uh, that I can describe it. And I've had off-the-record conversations about, or with Jordan, like I said, about how he is perceived. So to read the post-game comments that he gave last night to our pal Ava Wallace of the Washington Post is just jaw-dropping. It honestly is. And and I continue to say this, because I know people out there probably rolling their eyes thinking, damn, you're going hard on Jordan, aren't you? I want to emphasize this. And I'll be in the locker room Sunday when Cleveland comes to town. Everything I'll say here, I've said to Jordan already and will continue to say to Jordan. I like the kid. He's a very good dude. But the the post-game comments that we got last night from Jordan Poole to Ava Wallace, I think perfectly highlights where we are right now when it comes to the Jordan Poole experience. This is a quote from Ava Wallace. She said, I spoke to a displeased Jordan Poole post-game about the Wizards moving him to the bench, and Jordan's response to the benching was, quote, if there's any common sense with the situation, you should know how I feel but I'm just going to come out and do what I can do to help the team and keep it moving, end quote. Then he gets quoted again saying, I mean, if this is a way to try and get me on ball, I guess that's what we have to do. Poole also went on to say he feels he's proved his value in many different areas on the court and then said, quote, I can't do anything but control what I can control. I honestly couldn't believe what the hell I was reading. It it comes off as tone deaf. And, and I understand, and I, and I give background to it, it's right after the game, emotions are high, it's a hot-button topic. He's ticked off. He's played like horse manure this year. 
He he understands that. That's why I continue to harp on that. Like no one wants to play better than Jordan. That that's that's the one thing I give him credit for. But I honestly couldn't believe what I was reading. Jordan pulled to this point in the season. Third worst in the NBA when it comes to his field goal percentage at 39.6%. The third worst three-point shooter in the NBA at 30.4%. His effective field goal percentage, which is an analytic and a metric that really shows how efficiently you are playing on the offensive end. He's second worst in the NBA in that category. So, to me, he sounded like a cat that was surprised that this was happening. And granted, there is no audio of Jordan Poole last night. We're just reading quotes, so you're 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 at the mercy of the interpreter, which is me right now. So you're basically getting it how I'm reading it, and it just comes off it comes off as a cat that doesn't understand what's going on right now. It doesn't understand the severity of the situation. And we had this conversation yesterday at the end of the show, Matt. Like the Wizards are on pace right now to finish with the worst record in the history of the franchise. They're bad. Everyone knows they're bad from a local standpoint, from a national standpoint. They get it. The conversation this summer, and I remember it like it was yesterday when they made the move to acquire Jordan Poole. I thought, oh, most improved player candidate, finally getting to be out of the shadows of Stephen Clay. How would he handle the opportunity of being the guy? And up until last night, I, I want to continue to harp on this. Last night, to me, is bigger than maybe we're making it out to be. Seems like a turning point in the mentality. He has said all of the right things all year long when it comes to his struggles and the shortcomings of the team. Like I continue to say, Jordan wants to be great. But last night, it, it, it came off as a guy that, that doesn't understand the circumstances that he's under right now. So it's, uh, it's interesting. It provided Jordan had another opportunity to take the high road. And you go, you know what? I'm not playing well. I want to do whatever. I can do to help us win, and hopefully we can flush this performance as a team and get ready for Oklahoma City tomorrow night. But instead, this is what I didn't like. Instead, he makes it about himself. It's starting to become less and less about playing on the ball for him because I remember that's a big conversation we had. Well, maybe Jordan's struggling because he's not playing on the ball and he's having to, to play off the ball. This is the thing that gets me. If, you're, if you want to earn the right to play on the ball, Jordan Poole, you got to be active and engaged off of the ball. He's not giving maximum effort on defense. When he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's standing and watching. I don't know how comfortable Mike Winger, the front office, and the coaching staff are with Jordan to this point. I don't know if there have been any behind-the-scene, closed-door conversations. But at some point, they got to sit Jordan down and say, look, bro, help us help you. What do you need from us to make sure that you're the best version of Jordan Poole because he looks like a cat right now that's just mentally disengaged with everything that's going on. And I want to preface and recap and summarize everything I said by saying this. I still believe in Jordan Poole. I still think he's a cat that's got uber potential. You don't just don't forget how to play basketball. If y'all remember Golden State's, what was it, the 2021 championship run, he was so instrumental in everything that they did. They wouldn't have won that title without Jordan Poole. So to think that, He's just falling off the face of the earth and all of a sudden can't hoop. I feel like it's just crazy talk. I want to open up the phones on this, though. If you have any comments and thoughts on Jordan Poole getting benched last night, 301-230-0980 is the number. Jordan Poole's postgame comments and his performance was so damn bad, it caught the attention of the national media. Stephen A. Smith of ESPN had damning comments about Jordan Poole this morning. Let's hear that 
On the other side of this break, don't go anywhere. It's Team 980. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Three zero one two three zero zero nine eighty is the number on the Ace Law listener line. If you're in a wreck, Ace Law will help you get a check. Call eighty eight eighty eight Ace Law. Talking all things Jordan Poole right now after the Wizards' god awful performance last night. Coming out of the All Star break, they lost by twenty three points at the hands of Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. A little bit of a quick nugget about the uh, former MVP Nikola Jokic, the reigning NBA champion, last night. Uh, going into the game, he had registered a triple-double against 29 of the 30 teams in the NBA, Matt. Last night, Nikola Jokic, a triple-double, and he was 10 of 10 from the floor. So perfect from the field, and he registered a triple-double. So the big fella uh, continuing to do it, and he's probably going to enter himself uh, right back into this MVP conversation, considering that Joel Embiid uh, is on the shelf uh, for an extended period of time. As I mentioned, though, Stephen A. Smith, of ESPN. First of all, let me say it like this. Anytime you make first take as the Washington Wizards, you know that it's damn bad. Woo! Stephen A. Smith unhinged, rolled up the sleeves, and did the dirty work this morning on first take. Take a listen. I think that uh, Jordan Poole needs to sit down with his family and loved ones, and he really, really needs to have a personality check. This is not a kid that cannot play. Jordan Poole is a talent. He helped the Golden State Warriors win a championship. But ever since then, the word about him is that his head got big. And when he was traded to the Washington Wizards, obviously his leadership was sorely lacking. And so you don't have people that want him to succeed, that want to rally around him. This is not about his basketball skills. This is about the fact that he has very minimal help because nobody has a desire to help him. He didn't forget how to play. What happened is he had teammates that wanted him to succeed in Golden State that knew how to play the game better, of course, but also wanted him to succeed because he was a better teammate. He went to the Washington Wizards, had a big head, was a bit snobbish according to what other people are saying, and you got an abundance of people who want him to fail. And you could see it because he's all alone on a basketball court. They don't care for him. Kyle Kuzma, obviously they don't have a very good team, but they just don't care for him. He's got to have a personality transplant and really adjust his behavior to get folks to galvanize and rally around him instead of alienating him because they don't want to have anything to do with him. That's Jordan uh, Poole's problem right now, and he needs to fix it. Look, hey, man. When Stephen A. Smith comes out and stands on 10 the way he did about what he's hearing about Jordan Poole, he's getting that directly from someone within the building. That is coming directly uh, from someone within the organization. And I'll be honest, I, I'm in that locker room a lot. And the dynamic of it's weird, if I'm being honest with you. This is the first NBA locker room I've ever gotten the chance to be in. And I compare it always to the other team's locker room. 
Because right when you have the po- when you, when you go out and you cover a game, you have access to the home locker room and the visitors locker room. The stark contrast between the Wizards locker room and, and granted, it's normally after a loss, so so I give them the benefit of the doubt for that. The stark contrast between the Wizards locker room and opposing teams' locker rooms is night and day. And for a guy that hadn't been in an NBA locker room before. Only going into Washington's, I thought, oh, this is, is this just what the NBA is? Pretty quiet and somber. Now, pregame, it's more quiet. Postgame, depending on if they lose or not, you might get a little bit more uh, socializing going on. But it's normally, you know, it's whisper quiet in there. So the dynamics in the Wizards locker room, it's kind of hard to gauge. The setup is, is interesting. And I asked the veteran reporter, pal Josh Robbins of The Athletic, why things were like this. Because I thought, well... With Jordan Poole coming over from Golden State, trying to, you know, ingratiate himself with the team, ingratiate himself with the community, and become a leader, right? I thought they would put his locker right next to Kyle Kuzma's, and they were going to be the buddies on the team, and they were going to be the ones that try to lead and usher this thing into the future. That's not the case. Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma's lockers are on exact opposite ends uh, of the locker room, and Josh astutely pointed out to me, look, if they put the two star players next to each other in the locker room, the media scrums would be outrageous. So I understand that from a logistic standpoint. And to Jordan's credit, you know, I do think there's some tremendous leadership qualities that he has. Uh, they got his locker right next to rookie first round picks, Bilal Koulibaly's. And he has been and served as a mentor for Bilal. And if you talk to Bilal on the record, off the record, Nothing but positive things to say about what Jordan has meant to him to this point. But with that being said, if what Stephen A. Smith is saying is true, I, I don't know what Mike Winger and company are going to do. If if and, and this is the thing, and I'm not trying to discredit Stephen A. and say that he don't know what the hell he's talking about, but just based on my observations in that Wizards locker room, I don't get that vibe. I really don't, and I'm not – here trying to ask his Jordan Poole. I know how I get down. I can give a damn about how Jordan Poole feels about me. Good dude, but it's business at the end of the day. I, I just don't I don't know if what Stephen A. Smith said was all the way true, but there is to me a little bit of truth in it being that, look, this ain't Golden State. You were the little bro in Golden State. Now you're supposed to be the big bro. You have a championship in this locker room, and it's a very young and impressionable team. So when he does things like not get back on defense because he's arguing with the ref, Blau sees that. Corey sees that. Your other young guns see that. So that's my only thing that I get really ticked off with him about. So kind of is what it is. 301-230-0980 is the number. I need your calls on Jordan Poole. Remember the conversations we had about JP at the beginning of the season. I thought he was going to be most improved player. I thought he had the opportunity to go out and be one of the leading scorers in the NBA. It has been god-awful to this point. 30.4% from beyond the arc, third worst in the NBA. The third worst shooting percentage in the NBA. And the second worst effective field goal percentage in the NBA. What are your thoughts on Jordan Poole to this point in the season? 301-230-0980 is the number. We'll take a quick timeout when we come back. Your calls, but first, a trending alert. All right, the Wizards back in action tonight after getting boat raced last night uh, by Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. Second of a back-to-back. They're on the road in Oklahoma City taking on Shea Gilgis-Alexander in the Thunder. That game set to tip off at 8 p.m. Eastern time. 
Uh, you can hear pregame coverage starting at 745 right here on the Team 980. Glenn Johnson and Dave, excuse me, Dave Johnson, Glenn Consor, and get you warmed up with the radio party. We had some NFL news break before the show started. The salary cap set to increase by 13.8%. That means, according to Over the Cap, the Washington Commanders expected to have north of $85 million in cap space. We'll touch on that more next. Here's what's trending. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge, Wilbur Liddell Willingham. Taking you up to 4 o'clock, sitting in for the rooster, Chris Russell, the DOC, Rick Doc Walker. We'll take you on the afternoon drive home. Coming up in about 30 minutes or so, our pal Brad Biggs, who covers the Chicago Bears for the Chicago Tribune. He is set to join the program. We'll ask him what in the hell Ryan Poles and the Chicago Bears are going to do at the top of next month's draft. Well, that's not next month's draft. Staples draft. You get what I meant. What will the Bears do, though, with that number one overall pick? Uh, I was reading the tea leaves this morning, old Matty Ice, as I was getting ready for the program. And uh, a lot of folks out there starting to feel like the combine is when we're going to start to see some movement when it comes to a potential uh, Justin Fields trade and what type of framework we'll have for that deal. So we'll make sure to ask Brad Biggs about all that and more. Coming up at the top of the 2 o'clock hour. Right now, I want to continue to take your calls, though, man. 301 230 0980 Jordan Poole got awful last night after getting benched in his postgame comments for me is kind of what's got my antennas up. I want to, you know, go out on a limb and say it again. Like, I think Jordan Poole up until last night has handled himself like the consummate professional. I've had nothing negative to say about him. I feel like I've been one of his biggest backers and supporters to this point. He knows that. Um, but we're, we're at a point in time right now with JP. Or something's got to give. I, I was just disappointed uh, by his post-game comments to Ava Wallace last night of the Washington Post. And I want to get the pulse of the Wizards fan base here. What are you thinking about Jordan Poole uh, here as we officially hit the halfway point in the season? Do you have any type of hope for him being able to turn things around uh, here post-All-Star break? Let's go to Ricardo in D.C. What's going on? <laughs> The rising star, the rising star. What's up, Linnell? What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good, bro. Happy Friday. Happy hey, look, Friday to you. I, I, I go way back. There's a Baltimore Bullets, Washington Bullets, Washington uh, Wizards fan. Jordan Poole has been an absolute joke. I, I did have some optimism when we got him. You know, I said, okay, he he, he was the Golden State. Couldn't have won the championship without him. He looked good. And we got him. I said, okay, this is promising. Not a bad mood to get him. But he, he's been a clown act, man. I'm sorry. Uh, he, with his play, and you were right. This is a basketball town, yep. contrary to what your boy, the so-called Rooster, said some <laughs> while, uh, a while back, saying we're not a basketball town. We, we are. Uh, even though we, you know. But Jordan Poole, his play on the court has been clownish, really. Uh, and it, and it's like okay, you need to. He, he must not realize the history of of this town being a basketball town because he even early in the season, you know, they had him on shacked in a pool several times already. You know, with the bloopers, he's out there doing stuff on the court to just clownish. Yeah. And you know, we know basketball in we this do. town, yeah. and if you look at him, it's just clownish. And I'm I'm just I'm not, I'm not overstating it. 
at this point, he's a detriment to the team. It has been, you know, a few games he's been, you know, productive, but for the most part, he's been a detriment to the team. At this point, we can't trade him. Obviously, nobody wants him in that contract. Well, hold on, uh, Ricardo. I'll, I'll, cut you I'll, I'm gonna stop you right there for a second, Ricardo. The only thing about the contract, okay. and I feel like we we maybe debunked this yesterday. The contract that people harping on that is more of right. it fits the narrative of how big of a punching bag he's been. He's the 51st highest paid player okay. in the NBA. So okay. like the, con- the contract's that. not bad. It's just when you're getting this lack of production, and then you right. hear the tea leaves and the yeah. whispers about the leadership stuff. It, it it's it's disheartening. That's that's my point. I agree. Yeah. 50, you know, but you know, still, that's a lot of money he's making, man, yeah. compared to the average sure. citizen out here. <laughs> Appreciate what you're making, dude, and For go out sure. there and play hard. But he's been a clown. You know, at this point. I think we just don't even play him, man. Uh, wow. You know, because he, he, he yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, and we can't trade him. We can't trade him. Uh, I think, you know, I thought it was a good idea to bring him off the bench. And now he, he's not happy about this, but he's been a clown. I hate yeah. to say it with the young man. I hope I hope he's hearing this. Really, get yeah. it together, dude. Ricardo, Otherwise, don't even play him. Yeah, Ricardo, he's I been appreciate a your call as always, my brother. Appreciate right. you tapping in and all Later. the support, my man. Yeah, I, look, I, I echo what Ricardo said. And it hurts me to say it, y'all, because, like, he's a – and I know it's sports and, and we care about their production on the floor. Every time I have a Jordan Poole conversation, I try to bring and provide complete context to the situation. His life, the past 12 to 18 months or two years, has been an absolute whirlwind. Fresh off of a title, getting socked in the mouth by Draymond Green, having that go public, and you being – the, the biggest sports story the entire summer that offseason. And then they end up giving you this fat contract. And people are like, huh? And, and at the time he signed the contract, fresh off the title, it made sense. But just the whole optics around the situation is, is kind of crazy to me. Like I continue to say, I have a hope that he's able to turn it around in some form or fashion uh, before the season ends. But as we get into the offseason, like – there's going to be some difficult conversations that have to be had. And, and the one thing I like the way Stephen A. put it, when you're an athlete struggling, and you can ask Doc Walker this, you can ask Brian Mitchell this, you can ask any pro player this, or former pro player this, when you are struggling, uh, especially as a younger athlete like Jordan is, it's so important for you to have that support system to be able to help you, you know, reconcile some of these situations. Man, Jordan, if I was him, I wouldn't even be on social media. It would literally get me emotional, bro. And I know he's a multimillionaire. You got a little bit thicker skin so you can, you know, dish what the fans are or take what the fans are dishing out at you. But, dude, like, it's been it's been rough for my guy. And I hope he's able to turn it around in the second half of the season. Just from an X's and O's standpoint, and Coach Keith talked about this pregame, I think it actually fits him to play off of the bench because it allows him to be that lead guard. This is why I was championing so hard for them to move on from Tyus Jones at the trade deadline. It would then open up that starting point guard spot to allow Jordan to be uh, with the starting five and, and playing on the ball, which is where we all know he is most effective. But I don't know, man. In that second unit, I think, and I was I had to watch the game back on Rewind after I did, I did TV last night, so I was glancing back and forth at it. Watching it initially while I was in studio, looking at the box score, he came in and took like seven shots right away off the bench. So it's like 
it's one thing to to tell a guy that he's got the keys to the second unit, but Jordan hadn't seen a shot he doesn't like. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic plays itself out uh, the remainder of the season. No time to <laughs> bitch and moan about what happened last night. They're right back on the hardwood tonight, uh, taking on Shea Gilgis-Alexander and the Oklahoma City Thunder, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, 745 pregame coverage gets going right here on the Team 980. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, let's get into the burgundy and gold a little bit. We had Charlie Campbell, lead draft analyst for WalterFootball.com on yesterday. He had some pretty good insight on what he's been hearing about the commander's preference at the quarterback position. That's next here on the Team 980. one 980 is the number on the Ace Law listed line. If you're in a wreck, Ace Law will help you get a check. Make sure you call 8888-ACE-LAW. A lot of differing opinions out there from the local media, the national media, when it comes to what the Washington Commanders will ultimately do at the quarterback position. And we've talked about it all offseason long to this point. You know my big buzz phrase that I've continued to harp on here, we're at the mercy of the evaluator. Well, the evaluator in this situation, one Adam Peters, the general manager of the Washington Commanders, and based on reading a bunch of different reports, based on the different guests we've had on shows on 106.7 The Fan and here on the Team 980, there is just, there's just this sweeping consensus, a couple of sweeping consensus is I'd add. The one sweeping consensus is that Caleb Williams is by far the best quarterback uh, in this 2024 draft class. The other consensus that we're starting to hear when it is specific to Washington is that most folks expect them to take a quarterback with that number two overall pick. And the one thing that I continue to harp on is understand that when it comes to how Washington will address quarterback this offseason, I don't view it as a one-size-fits-all situation. Right? I don't think they have to draft the quarterback at two. I don't think they have to do anything. Right, It's what fits them best. And I know I probably am the only one around here that thinks about Sam Howell when we talk about quarterback, but if you're really hell-bent on building a sustained winning culture, pretty sure you got to allow a natural quarterback competition to happen this summer. Now, some people out there feel as if Sam Howell can earn the job. Some people out there feel as if Sam Howell deserves another shot at the job. I'm just looking at it through the lens of what the great teams do. Competition, when you're trying to set the standard and establish a new culture, competition has to run Rampant throughout the entire organization at every position. So, we hope a quarterback competition happens. I hope a quarterback competition happens, no matter which quarterback that the Washington Commanders bring in. And that's the big question. Which quarterback will Washington ultimately want to bring in? Yesterday, we had Charlie Campbell on, lead draft analyst for WalterFootball.com. He had this to say about what he's hearing about the Commanders' preference at quarterback. I personally really like... 
Drake May from North Carolina and Jaden Daniels from LSU. So I, I personally think that the gap isn't big enough to give up the amount of picks it would take uh, to move up. Because even even though they're only moving up one spot, mm-hmm. it's going to be expensive. The Bears aren't going to just give that pick away. Uh, so they're going to look to get you know a, a great package even to go down one spot. And I think with all the needs on the roster there in Washington, mm-hmm. you got two other really good quarterback prospects who, in my opinion, are better prospects than Bryce Young was last year, who uh-huh. went number one overall. So I would rather just sit at two and, and pick between those two uh, rather than trying to have to give up some of that second round uh, ammo that could turn into some really good starters for Washington. It's Charlie Campbell talking about Washington's preference at the quarterback position. It seems like the more and more information we get about Washington and what their plans are, it's hard for me to, you know, sometimes sift through and understand what to believe. Um, A lot of different rumors out there. All of the decisions that they have at quarterback, that they can make at quarterback, excuse me, makes sense to me, right? I can get on board uh, for drafting someone at number two overall. I understand uh, if they wanted to, I understand if they wanted to go uh, trade up for Caleb Williams if they decide that that's the best quarterback in this class. I even understand, you know, the thought and the benefit of trading down and potentially, you know, trying to add draft capital to improve the other spots and holes on this roster. But at the end of the day, right, their evaluation that they're going to make at quarterback, we're going to get a lot more answers on that as we move here over the next seven to nine days with the combine coming up next week in Indianapolis. That is where, to me, you're really going to start to get some concrete answers on who guys are. And the more... We talk about the pre-draft process. The more, you know, we try to evaluate these quarterbacks, you realize how much of a crapshoot it is and how difficult it really is. And I know we are all huge fans of college football. We love the game. But as you you deep dive into these college QBs, it, it becomes difficult to watch at times, man. When it comes to why what you would want and look for in a quarterback prospect, I want a guy that shows the ability to play on schedule. I want a guy that shows the ability to throw with anticipation. I want someone who also has that ability to create outside the structure and off schedule. And I want to see things that I know will easily translate from college to the National Football League. And to me, when you watch all of these guys, Caleb included, very few guys play on schedule. The passing concepts that we're seeing at the college level don't necessarily translate to the NFL. And it feels like this is probably the most impossible evaluation to go through. Which is why last year, to me, when it was the conversation and discussion between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, on tape, Bryce Young does a lot of great things. On tape, C.J. Stroud does a lot of great things. But the difference for me is Bryce Young is 5'10", 195 pounds soaking wet. The physical attributes, I think, matter so much more in today's day and age when it comes to these evaluations because trying to break down the tape, 
I think gets more and more difficult as we get further along in the process. That's why the combine is going to be so invaluable. How does a guy perform on the whiteboard? How is he in the meeting room? What type of leader is he? The one thing that I would say, right, when I'm, if I was in that room, if I was, uh, let's say it's Tavita Pritchard and Anthony Lynn and Cliff Kingsbury, I want to know why you made certain mistakes during your college career. I want to know why, if you're Caleb Williams, you decided to paint your fingernails uh, and write, what was it, F Utah on your fingernails. I want to know why or what was going through your mind when you decided to hop in the stands and hop in mama's lap and start crying after the tough loss. That matters to me. And I think the same questions that people are going to have about Caleb Williams' leadership style, Jaden Daniels is going to have some leadership questions as well. And it's not like we're, we're trying to – I'm not trying to pick either any of these guys apart, but if you listen to Rob Likens when he joined uh, Kevin Sheehan in Denton, what was it on Monday, I believe, is when we had that audio. You know, it made – or Tuesday, it made sense. It made sense what, what you were hearing about Jaden and his personality. He's a regular dude. Shy, soft-spoken. But when you start talking ball with him, that's when he gets excited. That's when he gets animated. The conversation that, that I, you know, saw or heard, you know, Denton and Kevin, you know, dishing back and forth, and it's interesting. Does your quarterback need to be a leader in the National Football League? Is that a thing? Is that a prereq? And I would go out on a limb and say, I don't know. Not every quarterback in the NFL is their team's Alpha dominant leader. A leader versus the leader, though. That's the question. And I would argue that as being the person that touches the ball the most, the center of the offense, you ha- if you are a quarterback, you have to have a voice in that offense, and you have to have some semblance of a say. You can't be a passive player if you are a quarterback. I think that's why we have you. That's why you're great. You broke that down perfectly. There's a difference between being a leader and the leader, right? I think Sam Howell last year, for what it's worth and from what we hear, was a leader on this Washington Commanders football team. But he wasn't the leader. And to me, right, I actually want my quarterback to be the leader. And I don't – And I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. I understand, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. But my preference would be, like Matt said, the guy that's touching the ball every play, the guy that's under the most scrutiny, I want him to have tough skin. And eventually, organically, I want him to become the leader. Because while I don't think it's a prereq, some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL happen to be the leader uh, on their said football team. First hour in the books here on this Friday edition of the Chris Russell Show. Rooster out and about. Liddell Willingham sitting in for Chris Russell. When we come back, top of the 2 o'clock hour, about Brad Biggs, who covers the Chicago Bears for the Chicago Tribune, is set to join the program. We'll ask him what the Bears are thinking as we sit about 62 days away from the start of the NFL draft. Brad Biggs coming up next here on the Team 980. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. 
Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.